so we want to hear him so we can obey him so we can love him mm -hmm. um our key scripture in this series has been john 10 27 uh which is my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me that word know is genosco it's intimacy as a man knows a woman so it's the same when the holy the bible says and the Holy Spirit uh, overshadowed Mary, but Mary or said the the angel told Mary, "You're gonna have a baby." Da da da. She's like, "How am I gonna have a baby? I've never known a man." That's genosco intimacy, as a man knows a woman. So he says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them." So not only do you know him intimately, he knows you intimately, and there's an experiential intimacy that comes from hearing his voice. Uh, it says, "And then they follow me." So how are you gonna follow him without hearing his voice and knowing him intimately? Um, and if you go on in 28, it talks about, and no one can take them out of my father's hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, we often like to quote that scripture, like, well, I'm good. God's got it. Nobody can take me out of his hand. But the context of that is actually in hearing in his voice and knowing him intimately. So when you hear his voice and follow him, can't nobody snatch you out of his hand. Um, you go back to Psalms 91, it talks about all these different promises and things like that. But, but we often quote like, well, no disease can come near my, and I'm going to get into this today because think we're going to go to the written word today and talk about the written word. Um, but you, a lot of times we take scripture out, out of context uh, and, and start quoting it, but we don't see the ifs or the if you will or unless you and all these things that are so important that have to be read and, and done in the way God says to do them. So like Psalms 91 says, you know, no disease will come near your household. A thousand shall fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come nigh your dwelling. But all of that is irrelevant if you skip verse 1 and 2, which is, uh, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word Almighty is El Shaddai, the all-providing God. Everything you ever need wrapped up in Him. That's what that word means. And so He who dwells in the secret place, intimacy with God, tucked away every day, that's where you live in and from, hearing His voice, being in His presence and knowing Him, you dwell there, then you abide, remain. That's the, that word in the Greek and the Hebrew means literally I grab the, it's like the woman with the issue of blood, but I grab the garment and I don't let go. That's abide. Then I abide under what the shadow of the almighty, the all providing God, El Shaddai. So God provides everything I need and I live under that when I dwell in the secret place. So again, it's so important to hear his word. Uh, as, uh, as far as the written word goes, today I'm going to be probably touching on some hermeneutics. If you don't want know what hermeneutics is, uh, it's the study of the Bible. Um, but I'm gonna, it's going to be peppered with a glory twist here, um, because that's where the we're a glory company, right? And so hermeneutics can get super boring, and um, I want to present both a logical and a spiritual point of view in reading the scriptures most camps will read and I'm probably getting ahead of myself but most camps will read the scriptures uh one way or the other okay we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves uh we want to do both and you know all the promises of God are yes and amen if you will all right um so first of all the written word of God is infallible it's without error it it, it is without error uh, but often we misuse the word uh, to give permissions to things that God never told us to do. And so uh, we want to touch on that a little bit. Um, if you remember in Acts uh, 27, uh, Paul has this word, right? 
in Acts 27. This is when Paul's been arrested. He's petitioned to go to, to, to see Caesar. He's on the boat in the water, and they're like, okay, we're going to take you. Well, we're going to go this certain route. And Paul's like, yeah, we shouldn't go this way. Like, don't do not do it. He has the word of the Lord. He has a knowing. And he's like, don't go. And we'll, we'll, again, we'll touch on that later. But Paul has a knowing. And so often, too, I, I want to say this um, in the context of, the, of, of this whole teaching, is do not pigeonhole yourself to only hearing one God one, on one avenue. The whole goal is these 12 things are all God, and we want to be aware of all of them so that we can accurately hear because often God will not speak only how you you want to hear, but God will speak how you hear. Like God mm-hmm. will primarily speak how you hear because he knows you. So how he speaks to me may be slightly different than how he speaks to you because you're made unique in his heart, right? So he'll speak to you how you'll hear. But sometimes to teach us other ways about himself, God will speak uh, a, a one way for a while and then he'll kind of pull from it and you'll be like, well, I'm not hearing God anymore, but it's not that God stopped speaking. It's just, you stop listening to the way God's speaking. So he might be speaking through the written word, but then he starts speaking through dreams. Uh, then he, start, he might be start speaking through dreams, but then he speaks through a vision. Mm-hmm. And we want to be aware of all the avenues that God speaks so that we can more accurately follow him. Are you following me? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so I love the, the Bible, because often you'll read, well, I don't care where you're at in the Bible, it's like the Lord said, and then the angel of the Lord said, and then I knew, and then the Spirit led me, and then, there's all these different avenues, and the Bible's clear, and we're all just like, well, God spoke. Yeah, God spoke, but if you don't know how he's speaking, how are you going to hear? Right? I speak with my hands, I speak with the, the expression on my face, I speak with my mouth, I speak with my actions. I don't just communicate solely by the lips of my on my mouth there are different ways to communicate my wife and i are more intimate right so she knows me better than most of you than you do than you do hopefully right she knows me so i can look at her often and just a look she'll see with her eyes and i've already communicated and as you get closer to the lord you'll begin to discern his voice in this way but again, it all ties into to intimacy and knowing him and being able to obey. So anyway, in Acts 27, Paul's on the boat. He's like, tells him, listen, I have a knowing. Like, we should not do this. Like, we, we should not go. That's what, he, how he, what he's saying. They go anyway, right? So they're out at sea, and it's almost like a hurricane force winds come going up, if you read in Acts 27. And, and they're like freaking out. They don't know what to do. So Paul, what does he do? He goes and he gets the word of the Lord. Well, he goes and gets the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is this, and this is in Acts 27, 21 through 26. Paul says this, he says, uh, so yeah, we're all going to live, he says, oh, but then he says, he says, the angel of the Lord God I serve, so he has a message from an angel this time, which is awesome, and he comes, he says, told us, that, or told me that, that we're going to all live, but we're going to lose the ship. So how many of you know in that moment, like Paul probably wanted to hear everything's going to be fine, right? And so often what we'll do, and I want to put a semicolon in that and I'll come back to it because uh, it'll prove a point. But often what we'll do is we'll go and pluck promises and things out of scripture, which I'll go over. It's okay to, to, to declare promises and we'll get into that. But I just want you to understand the difference. And so, but often we'll go pluck stories and things out of scripture and try to apply them to our situation when God's trying to do something different. 
And so I want to I want us to understand the difference between the written word, which often is known as the logos, like what's been spoken, and then the rhema, what God is speaking now. And the difference between reading the Bible as like a history book and something that's written and this is the only way God speaks or reading the Bible as a living word that can be applied and God can confirm. And there, you should read it both ways uh, and we should have enough discernment to know when and how to read it. So Paul, in this instance, for example, Paul could have said, well, but wait, I have the gospel, right? Because at this point, Luke's with him. So the, literally the guy who wrote the gospel, Luke's sitting right there. So you can't tell me they don't have record and they know this, right? And he go, oh, isn't it written though? Jesus spoke to the storm. Well, I'm just going to quote Bible and I'm going to pluck this scripture out and, and bring it into my situation and speak to the storm. But that's not what the Lord wanted to do. And so at that point, he would have been uh, unrightly applying the word of the Lord. And he would have been pulling what God did one time and saying, well, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is a truth. His nature and his being are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, But just because God did it one way one time doesn't mean he's going to do it that way this time. Okay, God is so multifaceted. I mean, literally, he's got the four living creatures around his throne with four different faces and all the eyes. And I've heard it said many times, all the eyes are there because it's the only way you'd ever see every facet of him because he's so vast. Like, I mean, he's got, when God is the father of lights, but when his light shines, it shines in seven different colors. It looks like a rainbow. Why? Because he's so multifaceted. There's so many different sides of him. So we need to know, like, Lord, what are you saying now? Not just plucking some truth from the Bible and speaking it. So Paul could have said, I just, just Jesus spoke to the storm. I'll speak to the storm. But that's not what the Lord said. The Lord said, you're going to lose the ship, but everybody's going to survive. And, and you would say, well, that doesn't sound good. No, but it's God. You know? Do you, you can't tell me Paul didn't want to go in there and, and have God say, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Just speak to the storm. <laughs> I would have wanted that. How many of you would have wanted that? That simple. Look, just speak to the storm. I mean, I told you guys about Neriah. Like, I would have loved for God to say, go lay your hands on Neriah and she'll get healed when she was sick. That's not what he said. He said, in a little while, it'll break and she'll be good. But I had the word of the Lord to stand. So Paul has the word of the Lord in the midst of this storm and he's able to then go and say, hey, you know, ship's not going to make it, but we'll live. And then they proceed from that word and everything that else they do is based off of what God said in that moment for them. And what ends up happening, they end up on an island and the whole island gets saved. One of the greatest miracles and crazy stories ever <coughs> happens right after this and a snake comes out of a fire and bites Paul and he shakes it off and throws it in the fire. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. But this is the will of God. <coughs> like, we got to... <coughs> In the modern prophetic movement, everything has been painted so cookie cutter. Oh, it's got to be good. Oh, it's got to be encouraging. Uh, I, I'm going to read something that when Courtney said it, it came up to me, uh, came came to me in the spirit, and it was so powerful. And it's Proverbs 27:6. And Proverbs 27:6 says this. It says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend." But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. How dare we only accept the kisses of the Lord and not wounds from our closest friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes the Lord wounds. You need to understand that. Sometimes he wounds, but they're faithful. The cutting. When I say wound, I mean some of time, like there is a brokenness in God, a testing in God. 
We talked about last week how Abraham was called to go up on the mountain and kill his son. That was the word of the Lord. Take your son up on the mountain and kill him. Wounds of a friend. God was testing Abraham's heart. We don't want to talk about that nowadays. We don't want to touch that nowadays. Wait, what are you saying? But God only says good things. But God told Abraham, Abraham, go murder your son. So we, we must know his voice. And we must not take scripture out of context and twist it to our own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. All throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus and the disciples using scripture to verify and give reference for the current voice of the Lord. This is another thing God will use the word of God for, is to verify and give reference to. So take uh, Jesus in, in the wilderness, right? Uh, Jesus in the wilderness, and the enemy comes and tempts him, and what does he do? He pulls from the word of the Lord and brings it into his current situation and uses it as a guideline and a, and a point of reference for what's going on right now. So this is totally a legit way to rightly steward the word of God. We see Peter do it on the day of Pentecost, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of wild because he's like, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit hits people are speaking in tongues. And he's like, this is the thing Joel spoke about. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, wait a second, what? He says, yeah, he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. But this speaking in tongues, this is what you see. And so he pulls out the word of God and uses it in reference. I'm setting context for where we're going. So just just follow me. I know it's a little bit all over the place. Um, So scripture are like the bumpers in a bowling lane. So if the voice of God is like bowling, okay, I'm trying to hear the voice Take the word of the Lord, the bowling ball, right? I'm just reminded of when we were all playing bowling here the one day, John and and, AJ. So you take the ball and you hold it in your hand, right? This is the word of the Lord. And I'm trying to to, uh, properly obey and apply it to my life. I'm trying to get a strike, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't always get a strike, right? Lord willing, we'll pick up the spare, right? We'll get it mostly right, realize we missed something, come back and nail it on the head, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes I only get one pin. You know, but what I don't want to do, the last thing, in the, I, that's still a point, right, mm-hmm. if I get a pin. The last thing I want to do is, that, is have that ball end up in the gutter. I don't want a gutter ball. And so the word of the Lord acts as a bumper on the lane of life, hearing the voice of the Lord, the bowling lane of life, if you will, and it will keep the ball from going in the gutter. So we'll never, ever, ever will what God says now presently directly conflict and go against what he has said in the past meaning this god will never say jesus is the only way oh there's another way (laughs) but he'll never do that he'll never come against it Mm -hmm. but you would say well jesus is the author and finisher of life yes he is but he told abraham to go kill his son yeah he did but again he was testing abraham's heart and 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 there was (coughs) redemptive shadow and type prophetic stuff going on in that moment that prophesied about Jesus because the father was willing to kill you guys do realize that 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 Jesus like laid his own life down right you do understand that that the call of God on Jesus's life was to suffer and die that was his call you know 
many of us are like, man, I got a call to preach. Like that's glory, but I better be able to do it comfortably. And you know, God's going to provide all my needs. I'm going to have this plane and that car and this thing. And he may very well do that if that's what he's called you to. We've got to stop taking the word of the Lord and making it this end-all blanket statement for every single person and realize that each person has an individual call and assignment from the Lord. What is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord saying about your situation? Okay, Brett, that's great. So now we've undone a lot of the stuff that most of us have been taught about how we quote scripture and we do this and we do that, which, which again, I'm going to get into some of that is very valid uh, and God will use that. And I'm, I'm going to get into some of that. She's like, like, what do we do now? And now I'm going to uh, get into that. But before I do, I want to say this, the letter alone kills, mm-hmm. but the spirit gives life. Yeah. You can have all the scripture in the world and still miss Jesus. What do you mean? The Pharisees had the first five books of the Bible, all the law and the prophets memorized verse by verse, or they couldn't be Pharisees. And the son of the living God, the ultimate expression of God himself, walked among them and they totally missed him. Not only did they miss him, but they they were so offended by him that they crucified him. So don't think that just, just taking this thing and quoting it over and over again and having it can do anything. Is it good? Is it beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to get in that. I'm not going to take away from the reverence and the sovereignty of the Word of God. I'm so grateful, that especially that our generation can just, people died so that we can have this. And that we can just go pick it up. And it's so easy and so accessible that literally I can, if I don't have this, I can Google it on my phone. Like, I'm so grateful for that reality. Don't get me wrong. But void of the Spirit giving light on it, 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 it kills. It doesn't give light. Jesus was the Word made flesh. All right? But even the Word made flesh was not applicable in the world until the Spirit came upon him. Even the Word made flesh was baptized in the Holy Spirit before he ever began to do anything for God. I mean, that's what a truth. I want to make two distinctions in context of the Word of God. Uh, the written word of God and the uttered word of God. Okay? So for, for that'll be the verbiage I'm going to use to kind of describe it. Uh, the written word of God and the uttered word of God. Listen, everything that has written, has been, everything written has been uttered but can be uttered again. So everything that's written right here, I believe 100% that all of this right here came directly from the mouth of God. It's infallible and it's without error. Everything right here purely came right from the voice of God. And you have to you have to settle that in your heart first and foremost before it can you can ever begin to hear God from it. You have to realize that everything in here he said, even when he told them go kill every woman and child and everybody in, in the in the land of Cana, like you gotta realize that that came from the mouth of God. Like you can't pick and choose what came from, from the Lord. Uh, you'll you'll always have some uh, twisted and half uh, minded understanding of who God is. And you say, well, brother, that was old covenant. Okay. We operate under new terms in the new covenant, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has the same heart in the moment when he said, go kill all those people in the land as he does whenever he sent Jesus to die for all of us. Same God, same heart, unchanging, unwavering. 
Uh, does that mean that God is out to kill and destroy? No, God would that none should perish, that all should be saved. God does not have to justify. He doesn't owe you an explanation of his love. In his mercy, he gives you one, but Jesus was enough evidence that God loves humanity. Amen. All right. So what has been written cannot be added to, but it can be expanded or expounded from. What do I mean? So I can't write new scripture. I don't have that authority. God didn't give me that authority. I can't come in and write new scripture. So, so I cannot create another book. There will be no book of breath. Okay. I, I just cannot do that. What I can do is I can take from scripture and it actually happens in preaching. That's really what it is. is it's expounding from the word and I can pull what God has already said and bring it into uh, the situation of what God is saying now to both confirm it and reassure you that we're within those bumpers when we're trying to, to strike the, uh, what do they call them? Pins. The pins. Does that make sense? So I can't add to it, but I can pull from it. I can expound from it. Um, so like not how, Bill Johnson has says this, everything in the word is God, but not all of God is in the word. So John said this, he said, if everything Jesus ever did were to be written down, there would be so many Bibles that are so many books that it would completely cover the whole earth. So God is too vast to be put in the context of this, this right here. Okay. He can't, you can't hold all of God. So you will not find word for word, black and white explanations for everything God will do in your life. And you have to understand that religion has tried to come in for years, doctrine of demons and said, if it is not clearly in here, it's not of God. That is a false and a lie and I want to free you up from that okay your experience will never contradict what is in here what is in here will in some way confirm your experience okay for example I mean I love the word of God okay I grew up Baptist like that's all we had some camps that's all they under that's the only way they know how to hear God they don't even believe God speaks through the still small voice or anything. It's your conscience and the word. And some of them, it's like God stopped speaking when the Bible was put together. There's literally people that believe that. Mm -hmm. God said everything he ever needed to say, and he put it right here. Mm -hmm. And so everything you ever need to hear from God, it's in here. And that's the only way God speaks. Mm -hmm. But this is not true. Mm -hmm. Okay? You can believe that if you want, but you're pigeonholing your experience with God. Mm -hmm. All right? You can read this thing like a history book, or you can read it like it's living. Like it tells you it is. It's alive. His voice is alive in this thing. But only by the Spirit. So anyway, uh, God knows that I love the Word. So like uh, this, this weird thing happened, this atmospheric wonder happened where God spoke in a storm and uh, it thundered and shook our house. We were like praying about something. I was asking for confirmation. It actually ended up leading to us uh, eventually planting this church and all this other stuff. But I was... Uh, praying one night and I'm like, God, you can just speak. Uh, I was reading Brian's book. How many of you are reading Brian's book right now? And if, if, if you don't have it, let me know. Um, but you should be reading because it's really going to help you in where we're going and understanding the voice of the Lord. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm praying and I've just been reading Brian's book. And one of the things he talks about is God speaking through atmospheric wonders, which we'll get into later. Uh, but anyway, it happened and I'm like, okay, Lord, that's great that it happened. But like, I, I want to see it in your word. Like, cause God just knows that I'm wired that way. Like I want to see it confirmed and I want to see it in there for sure. 
And so, like, literally, a storm comes, it thunders, it shakes my house. I, I literally shakes, wakes the whole house up. And this was a storm in December. Like, when do we have thunderstorms in oh, December? Wow. And it sh literally shook the house. I woke up, and the Lord said, I heard the still small voice, and the Lord said, I'm speaking in the storm. I'm like, what does that mean? So I ended up going into prayer. You know, I'm like, can you even speak in a storm? Is that biblical? You know, I'm like, is it, do we even have grounds for this? So then I come downstairs the next morning. I'm praying. And the Lord's like, go look at the Doppler radar. And I go look at the Doppler radar. And the storm is literally in the shape, shape of a live oak tree. And I had a prophetic word about a live oak tree. And when I say in the literal shape, when we get into signs and wonders, I'll show you guys a picture of it. I mean, you, it's a tree. There's no if and buts about it. It's a tree. Some of you have seen it. Sarah's seen it. I mean, it's a tree. And I was like, what in the world is going on? So then I'm like, okay, can I see it in the word? And I start looking it up. And I even, uh, I Googled the time. So the time that, or the date and the time that he spoke. And, and then it says, it literally says in the word, it literally says this. It says, the Lord God thundered, the most high made his voice heard. Yeah. That was li the literal scripture. The Lord God thundered, and the Most High made his voice heard. Then another one says, and he spoke to Job from the storm. Mm -hmm. So, in that, if I read the Bible, okay, only, uh, only as a historical written document, okay, and in the context that it was written only by the Logos, if you will, only by what has been written and not what is being uttered now, but what has been uttered in the past. If I only read it in that in that, one would say I was taking it out of context. Mm -hmm. One would say, well, that's not legitimate. Because if I go back and I read in the context of what God was saying, it might not have had anything to do with my situation. But in that moment, God was speaking to me by his word into my current situation. He was taking what was written and bringing it into what was being uttered. And he was confirming it. That is one of the primary ways in the new covenant, in the new testament, in the life of a new believer that God will use the word to speak. He will use it to confirm and bring clarity to show you and confirm that it is him and what he's saying and what he's leading. I can't tell you how I can go across this room and I could probably interview a lot of you. And there's been many times when you, you have a situation, you're trying to hear from God and you go to your daily reading and you open it up and you read exactly what you're talking about. And it may be out of the context of what you're reading. This is when taking scripture out of context is valid. So many people would tell you, you can never take scripture out of context. You can never, it has to be, you only take, God, people would say, well, God didn't mean that, Brett. God was speaking to, to, to David. God was speaking about Samuel. God was speaking to Job. And so God wasn't speaking to you. So that's taking that completely out of context. So that's, that's, that's not relevant. That's not applicable. This is when it is applicable. When it's being used now, many many call it this, when the word is highlighted, if you will. So um, say you're, to give you another example, say you're, uh, some of you have probably heard this a thousand times, but I know there's some of us in the room that are at different depths. So, but say you're going through a situation um, at work and you like, you know, you're just, you're just hard up for, for uh, needing encouragement from the Lord or whatever, or like there's a financial issue in your life. And you're just like, man, I just, I'm going to just go seek the Lord. And you just, you just happen to open up your Bible and you're like reading. And then all of a sudden it says, take no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow shall take thoughts of the things of itself. Sufficient of the days that even thereof. Oh my gosh. God just spoke to you in that moment from his word. Do you see what I'm saying? Amen. 
it may not even be in the context of what you're reading, but in the moment it spoke right to your situation. That is a valid way to hear God and one of the primary way God speaks now because we do have this. And so he doesn't only speak this way primarily. And I, when I say primarily, I mean to the, to the widespread uh, body of Christ. I don't think God speaks that way primarily because he pigeonholed himself. I think God speaks that way because he's like, this is the only way they're listening. Because so many people have been taught that this is the only way God speaks. And God's like, I want to, he's so desires to speak to his people that he's going to speak to them however he, he can. So I, I love hearing God that way. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to say, well, God only speaks that way. So if I'm not hearing that way, God's not speaking. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. But for me personally, all the other things we're going to talk about, and maybe this is why we're, we're going here first. All the other things we're talking about, dreams, visions, signs, wonders, all of those things, uh, for me personally, God will always confirm them with this for me, always, Uh, just because of the high reverence that I have. And two, we live in a world and operate um, with other Christians and other denominations that, again, this is the only thing that brings validity to it. So um, sometimes it's not just about you. But it's about other people and you not just seeming nuts. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. God's protecting you. And so he'll, he loves to do it. So be open for that and look for it in that, in that way. Now the other way um, to read the, the written word, uh, and when you read it in, in this way, okay, this is when, they, when we get into hermeneutics. When you read it in a historical way, which is a valid way to understand God. Okay, and understand him and his heart. So not only is this good for directional, which is primarily what we're talking about right now, um, is hearing God for directional purposes and that being highlighted in that living word and that God using it to confirm. That's primarily how he's going to do that um, as far as hearing God for your own life. But I don't want to talk about the written word without talking about how to rightly um, understand the heart of God and see who God is. And when you're doing that and when you're reading the book and you're studying it in that context, that's when it must be understood not only what God is saying, but when in time he was saying it, to what culture he was saying it, and to what people he was saying it. Because what will happen is you'll go and you'll start reading what God said and you'll take it in your mind and you'll apply it to 2000 and almost 19 and what's going on in our world today. And you'll be like, oh, God must have meant this when he said that. But if you don't understand the people group and what was going on at the time and the way the world is when he said that, you will not get the full picture of God's heart. And you can actually twist, an enemy will try to come in and twist and manipulate your belief system about who God says he is. So like um, God going and killing, for example, I said, God told the children of Israel to go in and kill all the people in the land. If I just read that with no context, okay, then all of a sudden I think it's okay for me to go and take your house and kill you and I got your house. If I think I heard God told me to, all of a sudden I've now justified that, right? And I can go do that Mm -hmm. because I take, I'm, I'm using an extreme example, obviously. I hope none of you would would do that. But if I understand the culture and I understand uh, the full 
um, spectrum of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I under that's why it's so important. And Benny Hinn taught us at Jesus Conference it, to read the entire Bible. The entire Bible must be interpreted through the entire Bible. Just so you know, you can't just pick one book and interpret that one book from that one book. No. And actually, everything that is said has to be um, interpreted from the context of the first time it was said. It's called the law of first mention. So like when you see a dove come and land on Jesus and it says as a dove, you want to go back and look at the reference of the first time a dove was mentioned, which is when the dove is looking for a resting place when it's released from the boat of Noah. And then you're like, oh my gosh, the dove found a resting place. You see how it mattered to understand what was said first? So if I start reading about God sending people in there to wipe everybody out and kill, and I just read just that part and that portion of scripture, and I allow that to form my idea of God, all of a sudden I think of him as some wicked and evil king that just wants to wipe out the land. But if I read that portion of scripture in context of all of scripture, I'll realize that there were giants in the land who were Nephilim, who were descendants directly from demons, and I'll realize that that's what he was wiping out. Right. These were not just people. Right. Mm -hmm. These were descendants directly from fallen angels. Yeah. And at the time, Jesus' blood had not been shed, and you could not be reborn by the Spirit, right. so there was no help for them. Mm -hmm. They were going to be evil. Mm -hmm. They literally had demonic DNA, if you will. Yeah. And I would never know that if I didn't read the full Scripture. Mm -hmm. And now you see, oh, it's the mercy of God. And then you're like, well, why did God tell them? Uh, I, let's 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 go real deep and let's 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 touch racism, okay? I grew up in the South, all right, where people took this portion of Scripture out of context and said, only marry in your own race. Mm, uh, yeah. And they would take where God would say, God would say. Uh, you know, well, look, he said it to the children of Israel. Don't marry the people in the land. Stick to your own kind. And they would use that in a condemning, condemning and controlling way and try to tell people that there's no, so, that it's evil and against God to interracially marriage, mm -hmm. marry. Mm -hmm. How twisted yeah. was that? Yeah. Because they did not read scripture and understand it in a historical context by looking at the full picture. Because they would understand then if they did that and not just pluck and pick what they like and manipulate it to their own understanding, they would understand that, again, God was saying that, one, because they were a lot of them were direct descendants from fallen angels, and two, they worshiped false gods. And as we know, Paul said, when you join yourself to a member of a harlot, you become one with them. If I go and this is why Paul said, uh, the Bible said, don't be unequally yoked. You know why? Because if I go marry somebody that's worshiping Buddha or worshiping a Hindu God and I start sleeping with them, guess what? That's now transferable. Right. It was a mercy statement. And I'll never understand that God was operating in a heart of love and of mercy if I don't read the, the Bible in the context of, the, of, of everything that's written in the Bible. Does that make sense? <laughs> and actually, if I understood the whole Bible and that we all came from Adam and Eve, I'd realize that there's actually not multiple races. There's only one race, the human race. <laughs> and I would understand that we all descended from Adam and Eve. If I actually interpreted what I read in context of everything else I read, I wouldn't have that issue. I would never form 
some kind of racial thought. That's both from Genesis, and then we can fast forward to the New Testament when he says, uh, there's no black, nor white, nor male, nor female, nor Jew, nor Gentile, but we're all one in Christ. It's like Paul wasn't issuing a new decree, by the way. He was just declaring what was right from the beginning. Yeah. A lot of times you'll see, you read the New Testament, and you're like, oh, this is a new thing. Well, things are just not the way they used to be. No, things are just restored to the beginning. Like God had an idea. The idea didn't change. We screwed it up. And God fixed it. It was always communion, intimacy, oneness, and a family. That was always God's idea. But we don't get that. We, we, we separate the Old Testament and the New Testament and like act like they're two different truths. And they're all one truth. Mm-hmm. Paul said, all of it is inspired by God. All of it is applicable to my life. To live in holiness and righteousness. You can't even interpret the New Testament without the Spirit and the Old Testament. The New Testament makes no sense without the Old. You know what happens when you only only, uh, try to understand the New Testament void of the Old Testament? You get gooey grace. You lose the fear of the Lord. Your idea of God gets worked. We have to be a people that are humble enough to realize that we probably have some ideas about God that are just not correct. I don't know it all. We need to read this thing correctly. So again, when hearing the word of the Lord, the, the Lord, when hearing the Lord from the written word, void of it being immediately respoken or highlighted, what we receive from God's voice in this way must be received in the context of the full statement being made. So not just even one line, but but because often how many you know our Bible has like chapters and things that are that divide it, but that doesn't mean that the thought that was being spoken in the chapter previous ended when that chapter ended. So I would encourage you to, to read the Bible both and. Read it phrase by phrase, word by word, but also read it in the full context of the thought. Um, so it has to be received in the context of the full statement being made, the culture it was made in, the time in history it was made, the people it was made to, God's nature, and what was written previously about the same subject. All of those things, when you try to pull... Something, some truth about God from one portion of scripture, you will be in error if you pull it without all these things and in, in being taken in consideration. Mm-hmm. I can make God out to be an evil, awful person if I just pick and choose the things that I decide to pick and choose. There have been wars fought over that. Mm-hmm. The Crusades, if yeah. you know anything about the Crusades in medieval times, raping and pillaging, I mean... So much evil has been done by pulling scripture out of context. We don't want to do that. I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with the fact that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That doesn't offend me. Do you understand why I'm okay with that? Because I understand that God is both just just and uh, merciful. And that God God can't be uh, unjustly merciful or, or mercifully unjust. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That God, the cry was so great that came up before God in Sodom and Gomorrah that, that, that God said, I'm going to go down and look for myself. All-knowing God. He so didn't want to do it that he's like, I'm going to go see for myself and look with my own eyes. Everybody acts like Abraham should have kept going with God. I think it was God that was trying to find be merciful. But are there ten righteous? But are there... People always look at Abraham. God's way smarter than Abraham, okay? God knew what he was doing. People were like, oh, well, you know, Abraham could have kept... Listen, God knew. But God still operated from, from mercy. Okay? You see this now. We jump forward to the... You take that story and you jump forward. I'm just trying to give you guys examples. You jump forward to the New Testament and you read when he says, Woe to you. Jesus says this, Woe to you, Bethsaida, if the miracles that had been done in your town were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. God's straight up saying, Listen, like... You'll be judged because I judged Sodom and Gomorrah. It's unjust for me to have more mercy on you than I did on them, especially because you've seen the living God in flesh and seen his miracles. We can't divide God up and cut out what we don't like about him. Or I wouldn't even say it's what we don't like about him. It's often what we don't understand about him. Yeah. Like, if anything from today, I want you to do is like clear out what you think you knew about God and say, God, only let remain, and that may be what we pray at the end, at the, end of the day, only let remain what is truly you and open my mind up to give me an understanding of who you are. Back to the word. When hearing the current voice of God, or the now word, uh, if you will still look at context, but often God pulls one phrase, again, you, you still want to look at the context and the nature of what of who God is, even when you're pulling that one phrase or whatever and bringing it into the now word, you still want to look at the context of everything we just talked about, but often God, again, will pull that one phrase or one word and highlight it to you to confirm or communicate his will to you in your past, current, or future situation. So like often, God will, uh, again, pull those one or two phrases and, and apply them to your now situation. And often what ends up happening is you'll read the word and you'll read something and you'll read a truth and you'll go, oh, now it makes sense why I went through what I went through. Sometimes in life, you'll go through situations that feel like they're contradicting the word, but they're really not because God hasn't given you the revelation of what you're going through. Did you know often in our situations don't change, it's our perspective. And one of the primary things reading the word of the Lord and hearing from God in his word does is it changes your perspective. Paul said, are we wash our minds in the water of the word. Alluding to what? That in life and situations often muddy up our thoughts and beliefs toward God. And what the word of God can do is come in like water and wash it clean. Super important. 
especially with where we're going. Because what I don't want to do is us to start having dreams and visions and angelic mess- messengers, and then the devil will go, oh, this is a great time for me to come in and try to screw them all up, and, and we don't remember this thing. Yes, that's right. It's so important. Mm-hmm. It's super important. Yeah. All of it's rooted in here. But you know what else is cool about being in the New Covenant? One of the things that God says, and and I guess now we'll switch into the promises of God. Because I know many of us have been taught that, you know, if it's written in the Word, you can have it. Okay? A lot of people have said that. If it's in the Bible, you can have it. This is what I would say to you. If there's an experience in God in the Bible, you can have it. What do I mean? Angels talking to you. Dreams and visions, being called up, seeing heaven, those things. It may not look exactly like what happened in the Bible, but the context of what happened you can have. It's so funny to me because people will be like, well, if it's not exactly how it happened in the Bible, it's not legit. But what's really funny is you never see, almost never, is the same encounter the same thing. So like even Ezekiel gets caught up and sees the throne and he describes it one way and then John gets caught up and sees the throne and describes it a completely uh, different way. So does that mean because John didn't describe it exactly like Ezekiel that John's experience was void and was counted for nothing? No. So it may not be exactly like that, but again, it is open for you to experience. So when you read these experiences, know that they're open for you but you know what else is true though and wow thank you lord so is some of the suffering as much as the glory and being caught up in heaven is invitational so are some of the trials and tribulations in the testing you know you have to you you don't get to pick and choose you've got to take all of it i don't get to say i want i get to be what's up bro i get to be caught up in heaven and experience all that glory, but if they come knocking on my door ready to cut my head off for following Christ, that, that, that that's the devil, that's not God. Sure, is it the devil going through it? But that may be your lot. How many of you know it was the will of God that Stephen become the first martyr? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't get to decide what's true. It's truth. Every bit of it. Every dot, every period, every exclamation mark. It is truth. There is a freedom in that. There is a freedom in that. And I don't want to be condemning or hard or or, or say that, you know, you guys are going to be experiencing all this crazy stuff and da-da-da-da-da. For the most part, it's a pretty smooth ride, okay? And God will provide... But what I don't want you to do is I don't want trials and tribulations to come and all of a sudden you think God is mad at you. Because he's not. And you know what I find funny too about Job? And many people will twist Job and be like, yeah, see, Job got tested and all this. And yeah, you're thinking about Job? I mean, I'm literally writing it down. Yeah. Right now. That's crazy. Come on. A a lot of people will use Job, right? But in the end, Job still, Job, you know, you know what Job was still self-righteous? In the end, you, you realize that Job was still self-righteous. 
And Job is like, no, nah, but I know God, and da 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 da, and I know it all, and I got it all figured out. And in the end, what did God? What did Job learn? Like, dude, you don't have it figured out. You have no idea. <clears throat> so, so I would encourage you to like, you know, only focus on the the voice of the Lord and and like understanding what God wants you to understand. And if you don't understand it, just say, I trust you. Yes. You can. Take promises, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't particularly like to take situations out of the Bible and try to rip them and plant, plant them into my situation. Mm -hmm. Because I am not Abraham. And I'm not David. I'm Brett. Mm -hmm. Okay? You're Chaz. And your story is your story. There may be some parallels in my story to their story, and there may be some things that because they experienced them, I know that I have access to experience them in my life, but it's still my story. Does that make sense? God's not so boring that he only has so many stories or so many lives for you to live. God is creative. So there's a difference between uh, decreeing and declaring situations into my life and decreeing and declaring promises in my life. So the promises would be like this. The mind of the righteous is blessed. That's a promise. So if I'm having issues with my mind, I can take that promise and I can declare it over my life. The mind of the righteous is blessed. First, though, I got to read and declare that in context. It says the mind of the righteous. What is righteousness? Being right with God. So the first thing I better do is go get on my face and find out, am I right with God or is there sin in my life? Because my mind can't be blessed if I ain't righteous. The favorite prayer availeth much. That ain't what it says. The favorite prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm sitting here banging on a door praying and I ain't living right and ain't nothing happening and I think there's issues with God or the word of the Lord. The issue is I ain't rightly applying the word of the Lord to my life. Well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you living in Christ or are you living of yourself? Quote that all day if you're if you're applying it in the context it was written, which is relationship with Jesus Christ. Is your are you neglecting your right your are you neglecting your relationship but demanding rights to that relationship? That's like a husband going to a wife saying, You should have sex with me because it's my right to marriage, but I'm gonna slap you around and ignore you and never talk to you. Does that work in reality? <laughs> But on the other hand, if the wife's, or the husband's doing everything he should be doing and goes to that wife and is like, hey, what's happening? Then he has a right to say something. What's happening? There's some disconnect here. I'm serious. We go to God. And we're like, God, why didn't you do this? And why we start nagging God? And God's like, you ain't even been faithful. Yeah. Your eyes are on another man. Your, your gaze is on another thing. You're led by a person and not by presence. I love the word of the Lord, and it and, and there have been times where you we, we need to stand 
on the promises of God. And when the situation doesn't line up with the word of the Lord, like the word of the Lord says, I've never seen the righteous starving, nor, nor uh, what is it? The, their children begging for bread. Okay, well again, first and foremost, I need to make sure I'm right with the Lord. Righteousness, when you read righteous, righteousness means right with God. You can't do anything to make yourself right with God except repent and receive what Jesus did. But do you know that even receiving what Jesus did has a context in which it's set, which is repentance and, and, and receiving? If you confess with your mouth, right, then he'll come and cleanse and, and wash you clean. He says that, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. If, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he says. You have an advocate. So there, there's a, a relational thing going on here. There's a process that has to be done. It's not once saved, always saved. <clears throat> I love what AJ said the other day. She said, I believe once sa saved, always saved until I got saved. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's not like I said a prayer one time and I'm just, I'm done. Like it, it don't work that way. There's a constant communal relationship. I can stand on the promises of God when I know I'm right with God. That's when you pull from Scripture. That's when you draw a line in the stand and you say, No, I'm decreeing and declaring the word of the Lord and you will not budge me. There were times when I lost my job, I was hurt, I wasn't healed. I, you know what I did every day? I repented to make sure there was no um, holes in my life, no, no uh, gates for the enemy to come in. And I'd be like, God, this doesn't line up with your word. I'm living right and I'm not healed. What's up? And then I would say, I know you're good. And so I'm not going to let the enemy come in and say, did God really say you'd be healed, Brett? And tip me to bite that apple. I ain't, I, it ain't going to happen. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. And I, even though my situation doesn't line up with it, that's when I'm holding fast to this word. And that's when I'm not going to be budged. But I guess what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to compromise in the moment until I get what I wanted. So many of us are, don't realize that in that moment we're either being tested by God or there's a principality and a spiritual warfare going on, like a Daniel 10 situation. And so again, we start rebuking the devil and then it's us, right? Living in sin and repenting. But if we repent and then we realize it's the devil, that's one thing. But then guess what? Sometimes it might not be the devil. It might be God testing your heart. Go kill your son on the mountain. You cannot navigate this life without the life giver. You cannot navigate this walk without having the now word of the Lord for your situation, for your life. It's sorry. Sorry. Come on. We're like sitting in water and there's bubbles coming up from your mouth. <laughs> like we are underwater right now. Come on. I can God. see us in a lake. We're literally Jeez. sitting on the ocean floor. <laughs> People don't want to hear this, though. Do you understand? I love you enough to tell you the truth. I don't want to hear this. Right. Do you understand? My flesh is hurting right now as I'm saying as I'm saying this. I'm I'm like whoo, whoo. And remember, not let let not all of you become teachers, knowing you're held to a higher standard. Yeah. I, as I'm saying that, like I have to remember that too. Like yeah. this is truth, though. 
This so many people take one truth and try to stretch it and apply it to every situation, yeah. but right. that ain't it. What is God saying now in this situation? I don't have to, by faith, just pick something and hold on to it. I have access to the throne room of heaven. The veil has been torn. I can go in secret place and seek heaven and get a now word. Why wouldn't you do it? Now, why wouldn't you do it? Does everybody understand what I'm talking about rightly? Uh rightly proclaiming the promises and how to rightly divide when everything else is good like when you've done all to do then stand but don't try to stand until you've done all you can do does that make sense yeah. yeah so many of us start standing and we're trying to stand on quicksand because we never went and got our foundation right which is what righteousness with god like we didn't get that right intimacy we didn't get right that like so many of us are like my life is blowing up and i don't understand why but i've not been in the secret place for a month like I get, I'm telling you, me personally, you will know if I have not been praying, if I've not been spending time with Jesus, because I'm a jerk. <laughs> For real. My wife, test, testify, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because he who abides in me can bear much fruit. Yeah. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And the second I start to get apart from God, I can't do it. Well, God, I just want you to come. And fix my situation. God said, I did 2,000 years ago when mm -hmm. I came and I shed my blood on the cross. Why don't you come to me? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and then I'll give you rest. We want the rest before we come to the rest giver. Not realizing that we have to come to him to receive it. Who are we to give commands to God? Mm, yeah. Come on now. Stop writing your own formula for following God and follow God the way he said to follow him. Yeah. Maybe if we started to understand this thing and stop manipulating it to our situation, but letting it twist and create and change our situation mm -hmm. like God meant it to do. This is a sharper than any two. Oh, it, it's happening right now to me too. This is sharper than any two-edged sword coming in, separating spirit from flesh. Some of us, including me, have some pretty fleshly ideas about God and the way He operates in our life. Do you know what caused the devil to fall? One day he thought, I'd be a better God than God. Mm. Do you know what we're doing when we try to follow God our way and not his way? Mm. We're being, we're saying, I would be a better God. God, my idea is better than your idea. <clears throat> I think I know better than you. God, just like a good, good father, mm -hmm. set boundaries and set spiritual laws and set things in place that our minds sometimes just don't comprehend. And we 
will always be set up for disappointment until the day that we accept that. Caleb, is your life better when you just decide to go with the flow of the way things that your parents set to go? Or is it harder? Is it harder when you go against what they say? <laughs> do you always understand why we set it up? Do you understand why we do what we do all the time? You always know? Not all the time. So sometimes it's safe to say you just have to do what you're told without understanding. Unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Alright. So, I'm like, if we're going to talk about the word of the Lord, shouldn't we let the word of the Lord talk about the word of the Lord? So, Psalms 119. So, it's probably going to take about 12 hours, but we're going to go verse by verse, word by word. There's 176 verses total. And I'm going to expound verse by... I'm just kidding. So, there's... <laughs> so, there's a... God was testing your heart, so I know you did. <laughs> you have exposed yourself. No. Uh, uh, there are... But there's so much here. Like, you could literally camp out in 119 for the rest of your life. But... Um, I'm going to go through some truths of what the Word of God does in our lives and kind of apply it to what we've learned and try to do it quickly. But I would encourage you to go through and, and read it um, and let God speak to you. So, so verse 1 and says, check this out. It says, it's so funny because of what we just talked about. You're only truly happy when you walk in total <clears throat> integrity. Walking in the light of God's Word. So, literally, to walk void of the word of the Lord is to walk in darkness, because his word is light. So often, we think we would be happy if things were just the way they thought that, that we, or the way that we think they should be, but really, we'll only be truly happy when things are the way God thinks they should be. I often pray this. God, I don't know what I want. You know what I want, so give me what I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, I don't know what I want. I really don't know what's good for my life. Yes, yes. If I did, I would be God and God wouldn't be God. But, but God is my God and He knows and I don't. Delight yourself in the Lord and then He'll give you the desires of your heart because in delighting in Him, your desires will be changed to His desires Come for on, you. Come on, and then He'll give you those do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll know what the will of god is which tells me what i don't know what the will of god is least he tell me it's a very hum humbling message but i'm, I'm excited because when we're humbled guess what happens right after that he who humbles himself under the mighty hand of the most high will be exalted in due time there's always an exalting that comes before humbling, but yeah. there's always a humbling that comes after exalting. Mm -hmm. Exalt yourself and you'll be humbled. Humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Mm -hmm. Let me know it's time. What joy overwhelms everyone who keeps the ways of God? Those who seek Him as their heart's passion. They'll never do what's wrong, but will always choose the path of the Lord. 
Why? Because you'll be aware of what the path is when you humble yourself to actually hear, God, which way do I go? And you have to be okay with God not giving you every piece, but maybe giving you the next step and the next step and then the next step. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God knows this about himself. So often he'll make your situation have to be one of faith so that it's pleasing to him. If God told you everything and took faith out of it, you wouldn't be able to please him. God has prescribed the right way to live, obeying his laws with all our hearts. Wow. How I long for my life to bring you glory as I follow each and every one of your holy precepts. <clears throat> Again, the word causes our perspective to shift to his. Our life can only bring him glory when we follow his precepts. Yeah. Then I'll never be ashamed, for I take strength from all your commandments. I will give thanks to you from a heart of love and truth. And every time I learn more of your righteous judgments. So he, he gets... A heart of love and truth by learning more of the righteous judgment. It never ends. The learning never stops. Like, don't think one day you're just going to wake up. I got it now and the, the process is over. Uh, I will be faithful to all your word reveals. So don't ever give up on me. What's David saying? This is a process. Like, so don't feel like that. If anything, what has happened to most of us today is there's been a restart button hit. Like, on this journey. God's like giving this us this place of like, hey, I'm going to let, like, sometimes in life, you just have to wipe the slate clean of everything you thought you knew about God because somewhere in the adding your uh, adding of the knowledge of God, some something, some truth about him that's not really true got in. And I think today that's there's a washing of our minds with the water of the word where God's like cleaning the slate and, tell, and inviting us in to know him in a deeper way. How many of you ever realized, like, or been in those situations when you have an encounter with God and you're like, I never realized that. Like his goodness, I had no idea he was that good. I, I don't even have an ability to understand how good he is unless he gives it to me anyway. Yeah. How can a young man stay pure? Only by living in the word of God and walking in its truth. Uh, it not only ha uh, it has to be a belief, not merely read. See, Jesus is the living word, and it's lived out by his life in us. So this walking in its truth is walking in Jesus. Living in the word is living in him. He's the word made flesh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as our life is lived in him, this is what's living out the word. This is how you remain pure. I have longed for you with the passion of my heart. Don't let me stray from your directions. I consider your prophecies to be my great treasure. And I memorize them and write them on my heart to keep me from committing sins, treason against you. This is so beautiful. Because again, this isn't just the written word. This is the now word. This is prophecies, things spoken to you. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times when I, if depression or something or anxiety tries to come on my life, that I'll go back and play the word of God or I'll go back and read the word of God and what God says. And that instantly causes me to what for that thing to lift and keeps me from committing sin. 
Because how many of you know many of us commit sin whenever the, the trials and troubles of life come and they lay on us and the enemy tries to use them to force us into sinning. And you're just like, oh, I'm just, many men, and just being frank, what will happen, they'll get depressed and they'll be like, I just need a release and then they'll go watch porn and they'll sin and they'll get a release and they'll be like, I'm good. But if you just remembered the things that God said and remembered his words and his life over you and let those prophecies and promises come over you, it'll keep you from committing sin, treason against you. Do you understand that committing sin is committing treason against the king? Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In the king is the fulfillment of the law of all eternity. Like, he's a king, and he has laws. And when you sin and break his laws, you commit treason against the king. <clears throat> my wonder, Thank God for his blood. Uh, my wonderful God, you are to be praised above all. Teach me the power of your decrees. There is power in the word of God. But again, I don't understand that power unless God teaches me it. So like we were talking about, it's not like I just have unhindered access to this power. I must use the power in the context of which God says to use it. I'm reminded of Simon the sorcerer who comes and tries to buy this power. So many of us try to buy the power of God by misquoting scriptures into situations where it's completely out of context. Instead of rightly dividing what the word of truth is and applying it in the context and by the leading of the spirit. The letter alone kills, but the spirit gives life. I wonder how many people have had their life killed in life. Literally, I mean, spiritual life sucked out of them because they used the letter alone and not used it by the spirit. Mm. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, and, and improperly applying the word of the Lord can mm-hmm. cause hope deferred. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. Teach me the power of your decrees. I speak continually of your laws and I recite out loud your counsel to me. Again, what is written and then what is now. He's hearing the laws are what is written. The counsel is what he spoke to him in the now. Uh, I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than in chasing after all the wealth of the world. Mm -hmm. Following what you tell me to do. Every situation, every step. Uh, I set my heart on your precepts and pay close attention to all your ways. Uh, I love this because it's like, uh, there are some things in the written word, like, like again, God's never going to supersede. So it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. The word of the Lord's never going to come to you and be like, hey, by the way, you can divorce your wife and marry somebody just because you feel like it. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not commit sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, brother, you know, we said we, we got married in private um, in, in, in our bedroom. We held hands and we just came before the Lord and we said we're married now. <laughs> it don't work that way. It don't work that way. Paul said that the way it works is this. He says, he who commits sexual immorality not only sins against God, but sins against himself and destroys his own body. That's the word of the Lord. Don't change. Can't be twisted. Well, you know, 
Jesus said he died for all my sins, so that trumps the fact that I'm living in sexual sin. No. It trumps sin's hold over you so that you can confess it. His blood will wash it clean, act, make you like it never happened, and then you'll, you'll be free to never go do it again. Context, context, context. Pay a close attention to all your ways. My delight is found in your laws, and I won't forget to walk in your words. The written word is so important uh, to know the word and to be in it. Um, and, and again, it applies in moments. And, and another way the Lord will often use it is he'll bring to remembrance scripture you read or memorized. So it's like I read the story about Joseph when the woman tried to tempt Joseph and get her, get him to sleep with her. What did Joseph do? He ran out of the room. Do you think Joseph ran out of the room so violently just because he was appalled? Or do you think he knew he was about to, something about to happen and he had to go? She wasn't ugly. She was fine. And she was like, come here, young man. And he was like, no. <laughs> Got to go. I'm running so... Like, she literally had her hands wrapped up in his clothes. And he ran and it snatched his shirt off him. Because he did not forget to walk in the Lord's words. He remembered, thou shalt not commit adultery, and he ran. When you remember the word, also remember the power to obey the word is there by the Spirit. The letter alone kills you, meaning this, thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm bound to commit adultery, and when I commit adultery, the, the, the uh, wages of sin is death, and so I'm going to die. But the Spirit gives life, so the Spirit can actually give me life not to commit that adultery and run. So now, with the letter, it's got the Spirit applied to it. When I read, thou shalt not commit adultery, there's life in the letter because of the Spirit. Does this make sense? <clears throat> Open my eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. There are miracles hidden up. In his word, may it the Lord come and open up the truths and the miracles that are hidden in his word. My life on earth is so much. I love this because he's he, David is even communicating that you will never understand the miracles of his word without being dependent upon God and God coming and revealing it to you. My life on earth is so brief, so tutor me in the ways of your wisdom. Again, we're always learning. I am continually consumed by these irresistible longings, these cravings. To obey your every commandment. The feeling and desire to do something opposite of the word of God is not God. The spirit brings a consuming, irresistible, longing, craving to be obedient to the word of the Lord. Remember what we talked about? giving up the right to understand and getting over that you just don't know it. <clears throat> How many of you know that when you know something about a person, you don't only know what they like, but you actually also know what they dislike? Mm -hmm. Did you know God hates things and dislikes things? Mm -hmm. Did you know things not only 
there are things that please God, but there are also things that displease God. Um, and, you know, we talk about homosexuality and all this. It's, it's an abomination. It displeases God. So it doesn't then even also become about the fact that it's a sin. It just it hurts God's heart like it, he does not like it. Listen to this. Your displeasure rests with those who are arrogant who think they know everything. The second you're like, I got this, you're displeasing the Lord. But when you say, Lord, I don't know, I need your help. I love that prayer. Father, I believe, help my unbelief. He didn't say, I believe. I got faith, hallelujah. He said, I got faith, help my faith. You rebuke the rebellious who refuse your laws. It's just a fact. People look at the chastisement of, of the Lord like it's a bad thing. The Bible says he chastises those whom he loves. Yeah. Yeah. The chastisement of the Lord is your legitimacy as a child of God. Yeah. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't know the word. You'd literally think God was mad at you. Don't let them mock and scorn me for obeying you, for even if the princes and my leaders choose to criticize me, I will continue to serve you and walk in your plans, not my own, for my life. Your commandments are my counselors. Your word is my light and delight. You stand on the word. You don't let leader, not even me, push you off what the Lord said. We're not talking about, again, taking what the Lord said out of context. Just because you hear the word of the Lord, too, in a situation doesn't mean all of a sudden everything else he ever said is now void and null. <clears throat> Lord, I'm fading away. I'm discouraged and lying in the dust. Revive me by your word. There's life in the word. Just like you promised you would. He wouldn't know he could be revived if he hadn't heard it. I've poured out my life before you and you've always been there for me. So now I ask, teach me more of your holy decrees. How much wisdom did he just drop? We're literally in verse 26. We read 26 verses and the dudes dropped so much wisdom and then he's like, teach me more. Open up my understanding to the ways of your wisdom and I will meditate deeply on your splendor and your wonders. You will not understand nothing unless God lets you. Mm-hmm. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh yeah. and blood did not reveal this yeah. to you, but my Father is in heaven. My life strength melts away with grief and sadness. Come strengthen me and encourage me with your words. Keep me far away from what is false. Give me grace to stay true to your laws. I've chosen to obey your truth and walk in the splendor light of all that you teach me. Lord, don't allow me to make a mess of my life. For I cling to your commandments and follow them as closely as I can. I will run after you with delight in my heart, for you will make me obedient to your instructions. You can't be obedient without it. Give me revelation. He only gives revelation about the meaning of your ways so I can enjoy the reward of following them fully. 
The only true reward is in doing things God's way. Mm-hmm. Following God, God's way. Passionate, uh, so that I, give me an understanding heart so that I can passionately know and obey <coughs> your truth. Guide me into the paths that please you, for I take delight in all that you say. Calls my heart to bow before your words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to come back and expound on all this. I want to read it all though. And not to the wealth of this world. Help me turn my eyes away from the, from, oh, check this out. What did I just say earlier? Mm-hmm. That so many of us have believed a falsehood about God. Mm-hmm. Help me turn my eyes away from illusions mm-hmm. so that I pursue only that which is true. Drench my soul with life as I walk in your paths. Reassure me of your promises. There's, there's how the word confirms, right? He said about the word confirming. For I am your beloved, your servant who bows before you. Defend me from the criticisms I face for keeping your beautiful words. It doesn't say it's going to be easy. It actually promises you there'll be criticism for following God God's way. See how I long with cravings for more of your waves. Let your righteousness revive my spirit. Out of all the things we just read through 33 through 40, none of it is possible without God. None of it is possible. We need him to know him. I hope my prayer and hope um, out of today's teaching is just that um, including myself, that that we would be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Mm-hmm. That that we would read the Bible God's way. Mm-hmm. Do you know you can worship God wrong? Mm-hmm. The day is coming. And those who worship God will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Yes. Let's pray. Uh, Andrew, you want to play for a minute? So what I see even now in the spirit is I see this like this broom coming and just sweeping up and sweeping out. And uh, so what I think, because how many of you know that you can't, you actually, the, 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 the crazy thing is, is right now you just have to surrender because you cannot wipe away or remove the illusions that have been developed in your mind from, from false teachings or false belief or from religion. You actually have no ability to do it. It's actually only in surrender and by the spirit that that can even be done. So, but what I saw was the Lord coming in and I feel like there's a fresh grace Right now, there's a washing in the water of the word, uh, a dusting off, a removing of illusions right now. There's many of you, um, even in the secret place I see, um, there'll be great repentance um, of, of wrong beliefs about God. Even in this moment, I feel like God's going to start just showing you things about himself that you believe that weren't true and things that you had a hard time believing that were true. And so um, right now, I'm going to read that scripture one more time, and then I want to pray, and then we're just going to, I believe the Spirit is just going to come, I think He's already doing it, but I believe the Spirit is just going to come and wash out.
Let's pray this. Let's all pray together. Yes. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Turn my eyes, Turn my eyes. Away, away from illusions. From illusions. So that I, so that I pursue, pursue only, only that which is true. That which is true. By your Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Right now, <clears throat> remove all illusions. Help us to pursue that which is true, to hold fast. Wow, feel the wind of the Lord. Hold fast what is true. God, we long to give you what you desire, what you desire, our worshipers in spirit and in truth. Remove falsehoods right now, God, I pray. I come against religious mindsets. I come against false doctrine from different denominations. God, I come against it all right now in Jesus' name. God, I come against false misrepresentations of who you are by parents and loved ones, God, by former pastors and leaders, God. Even if I've done that, Lord, I pray it be removed in Jesus' name. Right now, wipe it away. Wipe it away, God. Woo, man. Wow, there is some freedom right now in Jesus' name. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You are loose from false beliefs. You are, I even see that 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 half-truths from other religions have crept into some of our minds uh, that the world has presented as good. But it may be good, but it ain't God. So right now, even remove the things that may seem good but are not of you, God. I pray they be removed right now. Any false beliefs on who you are in, in, in operating and hearing the word of the Lord for our lives. Well, God would never say that when you actually would say that. Or God would say this and do this when you actually would. <clears throat> Remove it now in Jesus' name. I surrender Not by human effort, oh, to you. but by my spirit, oh, says the Lord. 